Hey, what's going on, Who That Nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast. And we have a special guest with us here on the State of the Saints podcast. Uh, I'm pretty sure some of you probably heard his voice uh, given the Sprite scoreboard after every single game. And now he's filling in temporarily on WWL with Bobby Bear uh, for the uh, point after. We have Mark Menard. What's going on, Mark? Oh, man, happy to be here. How's, how's it going? Oh, it's going great, man. I'm, I'm excited to talk about Saints football. A little chilly outside. We talked about it a little <laughs> a little bit off the air. Uh, uh, so uh, how's the weather um, out there? You know, it's cold here. So what, is it cold over there? Oh, we got a little cold snap going on over here. We got about 43 degrees this morning and uh, – and you know our our first our first little little chill of the of the winter time starting to feel a little bit like the holiday season. So what's yeah, wrong with that? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, beginning to look a lot like Christmas, and it's uh, beginning to look a lot like uh, the playoffs. Uh, you know, so as teams start to uh, make that final bid to try to get playoff positioning, uh, the Saints, as of right now, are the number one seed in NFC, and you'll be hard pressed to find a team that's playing better football than the new Orleans saints, Mark. But that's my first question to you. Uh, overall, you look at this saints team at the beginning of the season. I mean, it was some defensive issues, especially in the secondary, giving up big plays. And now we fast forward going into week 13, the saints have the number one defense in football. Mark, what has been the, the key to the success and the turnaround of the saints defense? Uh, you know, there's there's a, there's a number of things involved in that. Obviously, you know the the defensive line has been you know eaten. <laughs> they've been they've been eaten. Uh, as, you know, playing. I don't know how much playing Atlanta had had to do with uh with helping them get on track because it yeah. seems like anytime they they get Matt Ryan in their sights, they they go to work. But yeah. um that that defensive line has been a monster and. You know, we didn't see a lot of sacks against Denver, but they also didn't throw a lot of passes. Yes. You know, they didn't have a quarterback. And uh, and one, one of the numbers that we kind of unearthed right after the game mm. was that, you know, they dropped back on nine passes. Mm. And Cam Jordan had one sack and four hurries. So <laughs> over half the time, that, dude, that poor guy was looking at Cam Jordan right in his face while he's trying to, you know, trying to throw a ball that he had, you know, he hadn't thrown a ball since the freshman year of college. Yeah. And, he, and he's got, he's got 94 breathing down his neck. But so it, it's got to start with the defensive line. David Onyemata has been having himself a season. Yeah. And, and, and it's amazing when you think that this guy, didn't play football until college. Mm. You know, he didn't even know what football was. They had to teach him how to get in a three-point stance <laughs> in college. And uh, and that was like the whole first year of, of his college career was just learning how to how to get in a stance and, and learning how to play. Yeah. And now, I mean, he, he he plays like he's one of the best defensive tackles in the league yeah. week in and week out. Trey Hendrickson has emerged as, as you know, he's one of the sack leaders in the NFL. And everybody's right. like, who's Trey Hendrickson? Exactly. <laughs> Where did he come from? You know, so, but you know, he had a couple of injury plagued years here to start off, and now he's finally healthy and he's getting it rolling. Marcus Davenport, since he got back from injury, has gotten it rolling. So that defensive line is is doing work. And then the trade for Quan Alexander oh, yeah. has been huge. Yeah. You know, he looks like he pairs much better with Demario Davis than Alexander Loney did, mm -hmm. and, and it's not a knock on Anzalone. Yeah. Alexander's just that much better of a player. Yeah. And he's actually a guy that, you know, when he was available as a free agent, I had hoped the Saints would sign him and it didn't work out. He ended up yeah. going to San Francisco. Right. They end up getting they end up getting their man in the end anyway. Yeah. Uh I don't know what it was what it was about the Niners scheme where it wasn't working out for him. Right. But man, he fits like a glove here. Yeah. And then and, and then the secondary has has really, you know, picked up its game as well. And you know, he had a couple weeks there where 
Marshawn Lattimore was hurt. Janoris Jenkins was hurt. And now you kind of got everybody healthy back there. Gardner Johnson's d- doing his job again. Malcolm Jenkins has kind of found his role in, in this defense after, mm-hmm. you know, coming back this offseason. So it's all really just kind of starting to gel. And look, the proof's in the pudding. Number yeah. one defense in the NFL for the first time under Sean Payton. You know, this hadn't happened here in a long time. It's been, you know, the Dome Patrol days, last time we had a, a defense ranked number one here. Yeah. And one more thing I want to say before yeah. I move on from Quan Alexander. Mm-hmm. And this is a, this is an observation that my coworker, Zach Streif, made. First game, you know, in a lineup, he's already got like 15 separate handshakes with all the dudes on the defense. <laughs> so he's he's integrated himself very quickly. He's, yeah. Everybody's got their own handshake with Quan Alexander. He's been here three weeks. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, but he, he brings like a different type of like flavor and a different type of energy to this defense. I mean, it, it like uh, I think Sean Payton said in a press conference, it's like he's been here for like eight weeks already. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, he's only played in maybe like like three games uh, with the New Orleans Saints uh, since he's been here. And also, Mark, if you think about it, like they basically got him for nothing. I mean, they ain't going to trade in Kiko Alonso, but the 49ers – they they released, they released. You know? <laughs> so you got quiet Alexander. You got that uh, type of production for absolutely nothing. Like when you think about it, that's, that's incredible. But I mean, if, if, if you uh, think about it, there's the 49ers released him. The Saints were probably going to release him too. That's yeah. why they traded him. Yeah. So it's like, well, let's, see, let's put a feeler out there, see what we can get for him. Right. And 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 you know they got a difference maker. Yeah. I, I'm glad they did. I'm glad. I'm glad they got that because. Even if you look at the defense, I mean, Demario Davis, he's emerging to me as the front runner for defensive player of the year. And you see a difference in the way that he plays of since Quan Alexander's been there. You see him like flying all over the field. And I, I don't think he has to, uh, you know, it, he's, it doesn't require him to like do so many different things that he he would be doing if Alex Azalone was out there. Uh, but the Saints defense, you know, I don't, you know, I don't want to hear anything about the quarterbacks. You know, not being there in Denver, I mean, the reason why they're the number one defense, I mean, they have been dominating for the last couple of weeks. Only one touchdown in the last four games. So, I mean, this is incredible that the defense is playing like this. Uh, so I, I'm looking forward to seeing them uh, move on, you know, move on and, and trigger, you know, train in the right direction. But let's go ahead and talk. Well, before, go ahead, Mark. Before we move on from that, the only difference that no quarterbacks made in Denver, honestly, was on the Saints offense. Yeah. We saw Sean Payton with the most vanilla, conservative play calling we've ever seen out of Sean Payton in a game. That's not in the preseason. And, and he was able to do that because it was just a matter of don't beat yourself. You know, this, this is one of those games where if you overthink it, and you it, it, then you beat yourself. And so just, you know, any criticism that Taysom Hill got for this game is moot. Because it was right. like, just don't throw the ball away. Don't mm-hmm. give them, the only way they're going to stay in the game is if you give them turnovers. Yeah. So <laughs> just keep the balls, keep ball security, run the ball, play defense like you know you can play it, right. and you're going to get out of here with an easy win, and that's what right. it was. And yeah. you know, I've never seen like if you look at the Saints fan base on Twitter and the ones that call mm-hmm. us over over at the radio station, uh-huh. I've never seen so much anger over a 28 point win. <laughs> it's nuts. What, like, what are you doing? Just, you know, this was, this was one where you, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Exactly. Just go out there. Don't turn the ball over. And 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 you, you're going to stop them on defense because your defense has been playing lights out against teams with quarterbacks. So <laughs> it, it's just amazing to me that people people were down on this win and they won 31 to 3. Yeah. I, I don't I don't understand it either. You know, I, I don't understand why people like a, a nitpick and wait it. I mean, 
it, it was the game plan. You know, you know, if you're running the football, you know, and limited the mistakes, you're, like you said, you're going to come out of that successful. You know, I think people are just upset. You know, they, they want to see excitement in their football games. You know, watching that, that throwback, that Vince Lombardi versus uh, Paul Brown type football game. You know, when you're running the football, I don't think people like that. But like I said, a win is a win. Uh, but People right now are hung up on seeing that Taysom Hill is the heir apparent. Yeah, seeing that Taysom Hill is the next quarterback for the Saints. You know what I want to see? I want to see the Super Bowl this year. Yep. I don't care. I'm not really worried about what's, <laughs> what's going to happen when Drew Brees retires, if he retires next year. I right. want I want a Super Bowl this year while, while Drew Brees is still in the lineup and because he's going to come back and he's going to be back for the playoffs. And, and mm-hmm. hopefully those those ribs will be all healed up. And, and it's one of those things where it's just going to take a little bit of time and, and there's nothing really you can do about it and you can't rehab it. Just got to let him rest and and he'll be back, you know, in, in time for a postseason run. And I'm not that right. concerned about what Taysom Hill looks like in the Saints offense as long as they keep winning. Just, yeah. just go win the game. Yeah, I mean, and I, I don't think that the it, it should be too much of an issue because – Regardless, I mean, it's not like he's going to start for the rest of the season. We know for a fact number nine is coming back. So, I mean, just rock, you hold hold the ship, you know, make sure that you don't run into an iceberg or anything like that. And just make sure that you stay in the water and you're okay. But, I mean, let's go ahead and talk about Taysom Hill for a second. I mean, people talking about 9 to 16, 78 yards. They talk about some of the uh, decision-making, uh, you know, him holding a football too long, opportunities that presented itself he didn't take advantage of. Uh, do you think that Taysom Hill is playing a tad bit afraid, uh, afraid of making a mistake and possibly causing this team uh, issues? Do you think that's that's in the back of his head? It could be. It could be that maybe he doesn't trust his arm as as much as another pro quarterback would. Mm-hmm. Um, and and look, you know, at, in practice, he hasn't been super accurate. He's been okay. Right. You know, he's, he's you know, but throwing the ball is not his strong suit, his strong suit is what he can do with his legs. And, and, you know, he, um, I don't know how much you can improve accuracy once you get to the pro level. Right. We, I don't know if you remember, but last year, uh, Sean Payton kind of compared him to Steve Young. Right. And, and and, in the way that Steve Young could run the ball Mm -hmm. and throw it. Well, that, you know, I I work with Bobby Hebert. And so we, (laughs) so Bobby, you know, we called up Steve Young because Bobby right. knows Steve Young. Yeah, and we got Steve Young on, on the show, and <laughs> and he said, you know, he was flattered basically by by somebody you know invoking his name. But mm-hmm. you know, the the the, where, the the place that they're separated is accuracy. And his, yeah. what he said was, you know, if you got a quarterback who's like at a C plus throwing right. the ball, you can maybe once you get to the pros and, and the, the most you can get him to is like a B minus. You're not going to make him an A. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not not by the time he's 30 years old. He's not right. he's just not going to get there. So, mm-hmm. you know, what we've seen from Drew Brees is a whole different ball game from what we would ever see yeah. from Taysom Hill. Yeah. So so judging him on those criteria, he's doing what he does. Yeah. You know, and and, and I think that I think that you know, he does I, maybe he doesn't trust his arm as much as I don't know. If, I don't know if it's as much as he should, but maybe he trusts it the right amount. Maybe he knows yeah. what he's capable of. You know, one, yep. one of the weirdest stats that came out of preparing for last week's game was that Kendall Hinton's last touchdown pass was more recent than Taysom Hill's last <laughs> touchdown pass. He hadn't thrown one since 2016. So <laughs> he runs he runs it in all the time. He calls right. his own number and, and gets in the end zone. Right. And in the end, that's what you want. You want the touchdown. Right. And however you got to get it, you get it. 
But I, I don't know if Taysom Hill's ever going to be, you know, an all pro type passer. Mm. You know, he, I don't, I don't know if he's even going to be a Cam Newton type passer. I think right. he could maybe get to that level. Cam's not super accurate, but he's got yeah. kind of a cannon. Right. Uh, he obviously Cam looks a little different this season, but I'm talking about you know prime Cam Newton. Right. Maybe Taysom Hill could get to that because look, he's got an arm. He can yep. throw the ball down the field. Right. It's just a matter of you know can he hit the target? Yeah. And I think what you're seeing from Taysom Hill as he fills in, you know, now he's been in there a couple of games, and teams you know have got a bit of game film on him, mm-hmm. and they can see you know what his tendencies are. Right. And we're seeing a lot of what we saw last year with Teddy Bridgewater, where you, you're not really seeing the ball spread around a lot. You're seeing the ball go to can't guard Mike quite exactly. a bit. But <laughs> could Teddy it be worse? Was, <laughs> Teddy was hitting Mike Thomas, exactly. and Taysom is is a little bit off, and and Mike can't quite bring those balls in the way he did with Teddy because right. Teddy's a little bit more of an accurate quarterback. He's a little bit more of a a pocket quarterback. Yeah. And so you know, I I think you know Taysom's going to have to get that ball a little bit closer to the receivers, right. but that's not ever going to be his strong suit, I don't think. And and maybe yeah. he'll prove me wrong three four years down the line, but right now. You know, he's he's doing it the way that he knows how to do it. And that's all that the Saints are asking him to do. Because yeah. they just want him to to keep, you know, keep that ship on, on course. Yeah. Keep that ship exactly. on course. Exactly. And keep rolling. And and if you can rack up, you know, all, all all these wins while Drew's out, that's even that's even, you know, more gravy on the mashed potatoes, basically. Yeah. But you know, I I fully expect them to to drop a game at least. You know, I think you'd be foolish to say, oh, they're going to win them all without Drew. Now, yeah. they, the the good thing is it lined up with a really soft part of their schedule with yeah. Drew being out. True. And it's popular. It's not impossible that they could, you know, win all these, and, and they mm-hmm. might. But, you know, this game against Atlanta this week is not going to be you – know, the Falcons are not going to be an easy out. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I don't think we can go in expecting to see the dominant performance we, we saw just two weeks ago even. Right. Because, you know, they're going to learn from that game. And mm-hmm. and they're a prideful team, and under Raheem Morris, they've done better. They're four and two. They're, they're four and two under you know they're four and seven on the year. They were zero and five under Dan Quinn, and now they're four <laughs> and two under Raheem Morris. Yeah, and and it's crazy because Raheem didn't have a great tenure in Tampa Bay, but right now he's exactly what the Falcons need, and he's he's kind of got them you know pointed in the right direction. Yeah. this is going to be an interesting game this Sunday. Yeah, um, I, I just think with Taysom Hill. <laughs> I feel like this. They always say, like, you never want to be the man after the man. You want to be the, the man after the man after the man. You know, like, you never want to be that guy because I feel like uh, the Saints fan base, the who that nation, like, we compare everybody to Drew Brees. Like, any performance right. that we see from a quarterback that's, you know, that's a backup quarterback of the New Orleans Saints, we 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 think about Drew in that situation. Uh, third and seven, oh, it's incomplete. It goes over uh, uh, a wide receiver's head. Drew wouldn't have made that play. And we, we can't suspend our imagination or, or even come to the conclusion like this guy is not Drew Brees. And I feel like any quarterback that comes in, Mark Rathies, in the building now or the Saints get someone in free agency, you're not going to see that type of production. I mean, Drew Brees is an all-time leading passer. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and he's there for a reason. And I feel like uh, Saints fans, they compare everybody to him. And I feel like that's the reason why we end up getting disappointed when the guy doesn't pan out to be Drew Brees. Well, there's so many other quarterbacks that came to the, that are in the league and they played before and they have never been like Drew Brees. So I think that we just need to, uh, you know, realize that Taysom is not Drew Brees. 
But let me let me let me ask you. Let, 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 me, let me speak on that for just a second. We need to really appreciate Drew Brees for whatever time he's got left. Yeah. Because chances are you're not going to see another Drew Brees in New no. Orleans because you you may not see another Drew Brees in the league. Yep. You know, and and you know you talk about you know you don't want to be the, the the man that comes next. You want to be the man after the man. Yeah. If you look at the Miami Dolphins, they're about ten men deep, and they still ain't found a man yeah. to follow Dan Marino. Exactly. And they're hoping they're hoping Tua Tagovailoa can do it, yep. but you know they've Good been point. searching for twenty years yeah. for, for, for for Dan Marino's replacement, and they haven't found it yet. So you know this is. This is the the golden age right now of mm-hmm. Saints football. As long as number nine strapping it on, yep. so I don't know how much time he's got left. I don't you know he could he could he could be done after this year. And and my gut, I got I have no insider information. I don't know Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. I don't talk to Drew Brees. But my <laughs> gut just kind of tells me with as much time as it took him to decide to come back this year, mm-hmm. I think this might be the last year. Yeah, man, I so, agree. And so, and especially after this injury, man, uh, you know, cracked ribs and a collapsed lung. Yeah, that's that is some serious business right there. And hmm. you know, I, I I don't I don't blame the guy if if he if he's sitting at home right now thinking, man, why did I come back? <laughs> but you know, look, Drew's a competitor, and hmm. and he you know, it, the one thing you can guarantee is if he comes back, he's in it to win it. You're yep. going to get 110 percent of Drew Brees. Uh, no matter you know what he's what he's doing, Good if he point. decides he's going to do something, and so yep. if he does come back next year, you'll get 110 percent of Drew Brees. But I think if he don't feel he can give that 110 percent, he's going to walk away. And we yep. already know he's got a deal on the table already. Yep. He's going to join NBC when his career is over and have yep. a nice little broadcasting job where he can be with his family during the week, just fly out on the weekends and cover football games and yep. fly back. And and you know he's got that waiting for him. So. I think yeah. you know retirement might be looking a little more, a, 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 a little more like 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 what he wants nowadays yeah. because I don't think he signs that deal if he's thinking about coming back Good for point. two or three more years. Yep. Good point. I mean, uh, Drew Brees, if he if he's thinking or contemplating, you know, uh, retirement, you know, I mean, like I said, it's well within his right, you know, and and if he's not, then I'm pretty sure Brittany is thinking about it for him. You know, <laughs> like, you don't well, you don't want to see your husband, you know, being you know, in that type of condition, especially when here's, you have four small children. You know? Here's a little fun fact. I'm exactly one week older than Drew Brees. Wow. I know how I feel getting up in the morning with my unathletic ass. So I, <laughs> I can I can totally see how Drew must be feeling when you know after he takes that pounding every Sunday. And and it, it you know, as you get older, it gets a little bit harder and yep. a little bit harder and a little bit harder. And and uh, I look, I, my hat's off to the guy because yeah. I don't know how he does it. I I know. At, the, the obviously I'm I'm not in good shape, but but you know I I I don't know if if I would have lasted nearly as long in the NFL as Drew Brees has because yeah. you know he's he is a warrior out there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he he definitely is a warrior. I mean, he's given us so many great moments in the Who That Nation, and hopefully he'll continue. You know, this season you know, to give us some great moments, the moment that we want. You know, which is uh raising the Lombardi Trophy and being Super Bowl champions, but. Mark, let me let me go ahead. You know, I, I like a good conspiracy theory. You know, I, I like a good conspiracy theory. You Who know, doesn't? I, I follow I follow the you know the JFK assassination and stuff like that. You know, I'm I'm always wondering like, was there somebody else? You know, man, I, look I, when I when I met my wife in college, one of the first things we bonded on was we were both huge X Files fans. Oh so yeah. You could, so you you're talking to the right person when we talk about <laughs> conspiracy theories. What you got? Okay, look. So this is what I'm thinking. All right, you know, last year the Saints they 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 signed Teddy Bridgewater, 
And Teddy Bridgewater had opportunity to go to be a starting quarterback in Miami, but he ended up coming back to the Saints. And this that would have been his second straight year with the New Orleans Saints. And I feel like the Saints uh, really didn't want Teddy Bridgewater to play. They probably thought Drew Brees would play out the season. And you and you already alluded to Drew Brees signing that contract with NBC. You know, so maybe he was thinking about retiring after last year, and Teddy Bridgewater would have you know, got into that spot. But what happened was they didn't expect Drew Brees to get hurt. Teddy Bridgewater comes out there, wins five straight games, and he puts this body of work together that a team can look at and say, hey, hmm, Teddy won five games for the New Orleans Saints. And it cost them opportunity to make Teddy Bridgewater the successor to Drew Brees. So this is my conspiracy theory. Do you think that the Saints know that they fixed the issues with Jameis Winston but they want to hide Jameis Winston because it can be possible that he becomes a successor to Drew Brees and they don't want any other team to see what he has. Do you think that may be the reason why well, look, Sean Payton uh, went with Taysom instead of Jameis? Sean Payton is the king of stashing talent. You know, he, <laughs> he, he knows how to hide guys and he knows how to find guys that you hid and go mm -hmm. get them. That's right. how we got Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill was on the practice squad in Green Bay, and 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 Sean Sarmis said, "You know what? We're gonna put yeah. that guy on our active roster and then right. swipe him." And they did. Right. And then, then he then he went about you know turning him into this new type of weapon that nobody's ever seen before in the NFL. Right. Right. So he knows how to go and, and find the guys that you hid, and he knows how to hide guys from you. Yeah. So I don't think that's too far fetched. Look, we know we know Jameis can can play. We the, the problem with Jameis is his decision making. Right. And we know that we know that Jameis came to New Orleans on a, on a pretty much a minimum contract, right? Because he wanted to go to the Harvard of quarterbacks. He wanted mm. to learn under Drew Brees. Right. He wanted to learn under Sean Payton. And and look, there's probably some things he could take from Taysom Hill. To mm. tell you the truth, and so you know that quarterback room is about as good as it gets in the NFL. And 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 when you can walk into that, that's certainly a place where you you can you, know, you can add to your knowledge. Right. We also know. Jameis had LASIK surgery in, in the offseason. So we don't know how bad his eyesight was. But one of my favorite jokes to come out of the offseason was Jameis got LASIK just in time to see Tampa sign Tom Brady. But, <laughs> you know, so you know, how much how much better is his is his passing gonna be now that he can see better? Mm. I, we don't know. Look, I didn't get to go to any practices this offseason because obviously they, you know, COVID had everything locked down tight. And usually I would be, get to make a few in the summer, but, you know, they, they kind of had a very limited scope of who they were allowing in. Uh, Bobby Abraham got to go from our station and, and, uh, and, and that was, that was pretty much it. I think, mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody else got, got to attend. Right. So I, I'm going by what he saw. And he said, you know, if you, if you put the three together, Drew Brees is obviously head and shoulders above both right. Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. Right now, it, it gets a little iffier when you compare Jameis and Taysom. The other thing about Jameis is, you know, he's only been here since the spring. All right. They didn't have OTAs because of COVID. They didn't right. have mini camps because of COVID. They had all these virtual meetings, so he didn't really get to have a ton of chemistry, you know, built with his with the receivers on the Saints. Right. And then they got to training camp, and it was very limited there. And if you're not the starter, you ain't gonna get a ton of snaps, especially once the season starts. So, you know, Jameis is in a position where he hasn't really had a lot of time on task with this team. Good so point. I think that to me, that is more the issue 
of playing Taysom Hill over Jameis Winston is because Taysom has been here for years, and he knows the offense. He knows what Sean Payton's going to ask him to do. I think Jameis would be in a little bit of an unfair position to get thrown in in this type of a season and have to you know suddenly start. And look, I'm not, I'm not saying he couldn't. Mm-hmm. Obviously, guys, you know it, it happens in the NFL, and you had a guy in Denver that was on a practice squad receiver that had to go start a game this week. And 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 you know, there's been a lot more hardship than what Jameis would be undergoing if he was the starter. But I think, you know, I think if you take a look at the knowledge of the offense, Taysom is obviously obviously going to be light years ahead. You right. know, when Teddy Bridgewater took over last year, he'd already been in the system a year and a half. Right. It wasn't the first season with the Saints; it was his second season with the Saints, right. and that allowed him to kind of really dig into the playbook and and it also allowed the team to really have a lot of information about what he does well. Right. And and one of Sean Payton's biggest strengths is taking guys and putting them in a position where the where they do what they do well, and and they put that on the field. They don't try to fit a square peg into a round hole. Yeah. They they take a guy and 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 they 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 utilize his talents. They try to hide weaknesses. I think a lot of times, in across all sports, you have coaches who have a system, and oh, this is my system right here right. and you have to fit into my system and no matter who you know no matter what player they got no matter who's there when they get there no matter what guys they bring in it's always you have to fit here and with Sean he's he's smart enough on offense where you know he he's forgotten more offense than either of us are ever going to know right and he he know he knows enough concepts where he can make a system fit the player the player yep. doesn't have to fit the system. Yeah. And so he knows that he can take Taysom and he can build a system on offense where Taysom can succeed. Right. And then Taysom just has to go out there and do it. Yep. And so you're not that, – that gets back to his passing. You're not going to see a ton of passing from Taysom Hill because Sean's going to have him doing what he does best. Yeah. And what he does best is pull the ball down and run with it or, or you know, throw a little short – you know, a, a quick slant or, or or a screen pass or something like that. Something's a, a run pass option. One of those one of those type of plays, and maybe let him air it out down the field once or twice. Right. But I don't like like I said before. I don't know that Taysom's all that comfortable with that. And when you look at Jameis, you know, I don't know that that he's had enough time with Jameis to fully evaluate, you know, what he does well. And and you also have to call in the question his decision making because that's. Mm-hmm. Where he's faltered in the NFL, you know, he threw for five thousand yards last year, yeah. but he threw for thirty interceptions <laughs> and thirty touchdowns. I mean, so Mark, let me let me make, but let me ask you this though. Like, think think about this though. Okay, I, I have a statement about uh, Taysom, and then I want to uh, say something about James. All right, so uh, let's just go ahead and just wrap this uh, Taysom topic up. Uh, do you think that Saints fans need to evaluate Taysom based on the game that he played against Denver? Uh, you know, I'm talking about some of the passes that he made. Uh, do you think that we need to put that in our in our mind about you know the type of quarterback that he is? Do 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 we need to hold him accountable for his performance, or should we give him a pass because of the? I mean, you you heard him say you know they had, they scratched the entire offensive scheme that they had after they found out the three quarterbacks were not playing, and uh, so you do should we evaluate him? Uh, that's that's my first question to you. I trust what Sean Payton said after the game, which is. Taysom did exactly what I told him to do. Right. And so if you're going to evaluate him, evaluate him on the fact that he can follow orders. He's not right. going to go off script. He's right. going to do what the coach says. And, okay. you know, when you're going into a, a game against a team without a quarterback, essentially, all you got to do is not beat yourself. 
Just don't beat yourself. And that's why we saw the most conservative, vanilla, offensive plan we've seen out of Sean Payton (laughs) in a game that's not in the preseason because he's he's not going to show anything he doesn't have to. And he, you know, he knew going into that game, just like anybody could have read, anybody could have read the tea leaves on this game yeah. with the way the Saints defense is playing, just go out there and, and just methodically pound the ball down the field. You, it, it, I, I said, when it's, when they scored the second touchdown, that's going to be all they need. Yeah. It's over. <laughs> and sure enough. You know, they didn't even do the second one. They just needed yep. the first one. Exactly. So, so yeah. you know, they didn't have to do a lot in this game and they still won by 28 points. Yeah. So you know, obviously the offense did plenty to to to, to get to get a win in this game, and I, right. and I think that's all it was. You know, maybe you can evaluate Taysom on some of the games going forward, and we'll see right. what the game plan looks like going forward. I thought he played well uh, in 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 the game. You know, in, in the game before Denver, right. um, and and I think he did what he was asked to do in this game. Right. Yeah. I mean. Look, I, I said it, you know, I don't think that we need to evaluate him based on this game. I mean, if you want to talk about some of the passes and double coverage or some of the decisions not to throw the ball, fine. But not overall, his overall body of work. But b- back to Jameis, okay? Now, I got to ask you this. I know about, you know, everybody joke about the 30 for 30, right? 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. But how bad does it look now? that we're watching arguably the greatest quarterback of all time in Tom Brady be second in the league in interceptions. And if you think about Bruce Arian as a, as a head coach, every quarterback that he has coached or he has been a head coach of has had a high rate of interceptions. Like Tom Brady right now, like I said, second in the league. You think about Carson Palmer, he, he had a high interception rate. You think about big Ben Roethlisberger had a high interception rate. So, I mean, you think about, you know, all of these different players that he coached, all of them seem to have issues. And wouldn't you agree that Jameis Winston is looking better and better by the week every time Bruce Arian goes out there with a game plan and Tom Brady goes out there and throw interceptions and there's not a running game? Do you think that Jameis is starting to win back some credibility as a quarterback? Well, first of all, I'm glad you didn't say it because I, if I have to hear the term "no risk it, no biscuit" one oh, more no, time no, no, I'm this over season, it. I'm, I'm, over I'm it. done. It was, it was it was cute the first like 20 times, and now I'm done. But I, I you know I get the point of it. Bruce Arians likes to air, air the ball out and 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 gamble a little bit. Right. And you know I think looking back on it now, uh, when you, especially when you lay it out the way you laid it out, right. you know it was probably a little bit unfair for Arians to put Jameis in that position in a contract year, right. you know, when he was trying to, you know, play for his play for his career in Tampa as a starter. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, if, if, if that's the, the offense that you're being asked to run and right. you're being told, you know, just, just, just fling it, just go out right. there and fling it. Then, exactly. and, and, and then you're going to be held accountable for the mistakes because, you know, from what your coach told you to do, that's, that's a little bit unfair. Right. And you have to believe, you know, when, when the saints were, Pounding the the Buccaneers thirty eight to three, right. that Jameis was standing on the Saints sideline saying, "Well, I could have done that. Yeah, <laughs> I could, I could have <laughs> given you that. Tampa. I, I, I could have at least done that." So, yeah, look, I, and I think I think there's a lot of frustration right now between Tom Brady and Bruce Arians, and, yeah. and you know that's that's the rumors that we hear out of Tampa. Obviously, I don't have any inside info on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but I mean, all the all the signs are kind of pointing to a rift there. Mm. Where you know they're not getting along, and that's 
you know, the, the game that Bruce Arians likes to coach is not the game that Tom Brady likes to play. Yeah. And, you know, part of that's on Tom because mm. he had to know when he signed there that this is what he's getting, you know, signed up for. Bruce Arians is not is not a young coach in this league. We've yeah. got a lot of a lot of tape on what a Bruce Arians team looks like on offense. Good point. And so Tom should have known what he was getting into. But, you know, he's got to be looking at it like, you know, this is – first of all, this is way different from New England right. because he's used to one particular system and one particular coach. And, you know, we, we've been hearing for years how there was a rift between Brady and Belichick. Yeah. And I guess, he you know, he finally decided, you know, I've been giving these guys a hometown discount for years. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to get paid. Mm-hmm. I want to show that I could do it without Bill. Well, here we are. <laughs> you know, now, now this is what it's like without Bill Belichick. This is yeah. what it's like when when you're the man. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not saying Tom Brady hadn't been the man, but, you know, now he's getting the paycheck and he's being asked to perform at a rate that maybe he is not able to hit consistently now that he's 43 years old. Right. And there's a ton of weapons in Tampa, but it's it's not something about it's not clicking. And yeah. and part of it is probably Aaron's system is just not as comfortable for Brady. Look, what what happened this week against Kansas City? They played a close ball game. And and what did Tom Brady do? He hit Gronkowski with a ton of passes. Yep. That's what he wants to do. He wants to, he wants that dink and dunk short game where he can, you know, he can he can move the ball down the field, but he's not being asked to throw a bomb that maybe he's not as accurate on as he used to be. Yeah. You know, and we know Tom used to be able to throw the bomb because he threw to Randy Moss right. and, and, and 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 set records. And that was a part of his game at one point. But look, father time comes for everybody. Yeah. And you know, at 43, it's impressive that he's even out there doing it at all. That's true. But but look, this is not the game that Tom should be playing right now. I don't think. Yeah. And 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 Bruce Bruce Arians is what we talked about, one of those guys where I've got a system and you're gonna play in it. Well, he's forcing Tom to play in a system that maybe Tom is not suited for at this point in his career. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it's one of those things where every, every player, if they play long enough is going to get into an uncomfortable situation where their, their body doesn't match what their mind wants them to be able to do. Yeah. And, and, and I, I think that's what we're seeing with Tom Brady and we're, we're seeing the mistakes because he can't do some of the things that at, at this age that Bruce Arians wants him to do. Yeah. Uh, well, I think, and, and look, I think he, he's, well, still got, he's still got them competitive. It's right. the, you know, the, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have not made the playoffs since 2007. Yeah. They have the second longest active playoff drought in the NFL. And he's going to get them there. He's yeah. going to get them into the playoffs. But whether, you know, I keep seeing people calling them, you know, Super Bowl contender and, you know, still maybe the best team in the NFC. I don't see that at all. Yeah. yeah I, I think, I just think that they are trying so hard to try to make the Tampa Bay Buccaneers work. That's what that's what it seemed like to me. It's almost like when a when a baby is turning his head saying that, you know, I don't want them peas that you're trying to shove in my mouth, and, and yet you're still trying to get it to them. You know, oh, it's good for you, it's good for you. No, like this team is not, I mean, this team is like average, middle of the pack type football team, but it's like they're trying to make this team better. And also, Mark, you know, I just feel like okay, Jameis Winston. I mean, you go back to Florida if Florida State days. He's always had an issue with turning the ball over. This isn't anything new, but I just feel like with Bruce Arians as your coach, I mean, if you had some issues, it's going to double, right? So the major, I think the most interceptions Jameis has thrown in a season is about fifteen. So I mean, you look at it, it doubled. 
and, and to me, I think it has a lot to do with Arian's system. But I also believe that a lot of people don't pay attention to this stuff. I think coordinators and schemes matter, like you said. Like, people are talking about, man, what's wrong with Carson Wentz? What's wrong with Carson? They paid him all this money. I'll tell you what's wrong with him. It's Frank Wright. Frank Wright was his offensive coordinator. When Frank Wright left, and he, he had co- and now he's the head coach of the coach, Carson Wentz hasn't been the same. You can say the same thing with uh with Kirk Cousins last year. I mean, uh, Stefanski, he's out there in Cleveland, and he struggled. I mean, you look at Kyle Shanahan going to San Francisco. Matt Ryan was MVP. Ever since he left, he's not been the same. Schemes and coordinators matter. And I just think that, to me, this is, this is my opinion, I just feel like Jameis is a much better quarterback than those 30 for 30, and I think it had a lot to do with Bruce Arians' system and Bruce Arians' stubbornness to not run a run of football, which I don't understand, which I don't have a problem with, Mark. Let him keep on doing it because <laughs> it's helping us in the end. But his stubbornness is causing guys to kind of raise eyebrows at quarterbacks. And he honestly, in, in, in my humble opinion, he ruined the career of Jameis Winston. Now, Jameis Winston was a, a credible quarterback with a lot of promise. And now he's almost like that, that kid, you know, that walked around the school and every time everybody see him, they, you know, milk squirts out the kids' noses and laughter. <laughs> so I feel like it has a lot to do with Bruce Arians. I think that I feel like Sean Payton is hiding out Jameis. I, I really do. I feel like we, we know that Sean Payton is very, very meticulous. You know, he, he pays attention to detail. So I think he really wanted Teddy. I think he really wanted Teddy, and I think that plan backfired because they didn't expect Drew to get hurt. Drew gets hurt again, and I feel like he don't want history to repeat itself. I really feel like he believes in Jameis. He he sees the skill set that Jameis possesses, and he sees a future in him. And I think that the best thing for him to do is, you know, he, he's putting a fine china, you know, he's putting it in a cabinet, you know, until – you know, to to everybody come over. Then he brings out the fine china. So if you want to see Taysom, just give him Taysom an opportunity. Hey, we paid you this money. This is the money that we gave you. You know, you, we we promised you that you was going to give you a fair opportunity to see what you have. And now, I mean, you're not breaking any promises with Taysom. And at the same time, you're preserving a guy that can possibly be the successor to Drew Brees. I mean, that well, that's just that's that's how I feel about it. Here, here's here's the 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 thing that I've always believed about Jameis. Jameis has all the physical talent in the world. Mm-hmm. Jameis's problem has always been up here. Yep. It's always been mental. It's always been a maturity right. issue. Right. That's what we saw at Florida State with the you know the the crab leg incident and the, <laughs> and, the, and the incident in the cafeteria where he like you know just sh- started shouting profane language and, yeah. and, and got himself in trouble. Right. And even the off the field stuff after he got to the pros, right. you know, this is all maturity issues. And mm-hmm. like he came into the league, you know, a young guy. Yeah. You know, like as basically, you know, the, the youngest you can be to get into the NFL. I think he was mm-hmm. 21. Yeah. And he had a lot of maturing to do. Yeah. And I, I think sometimes, you know, you have guys who have been coddled a bit because of their athletic ability True. their entire life. True. Their entire life. And then the fact that Jameis's success came so easily as a freshman mm-hmm. at Florida State, a Heisman Trophy, a national championship. Well, then that just continued to, to 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 ingrain that, you know, he's special. He's above everybody else. Yep. And, yep. and I think he had to grow out of that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, what you're talking about, you know, Bruce Arians' system and his taking over in Tampa, 
coincided with Jameis finally starting to kind of mature out of that a little bit yeah. and, and and growing into the game and, and, and starting to learn. And then he gets, you know, at, to your point, he gets thrown into a system where he's going to make a lot of mistakes. Yeah. And so, you know, it kind of stunted his growth a little bit for maybe a year. But I don't think Sean Payton brings him in if he doesn't see something in this kid. Yeah. And, I and I, look, I call him a kid. He's like 26 now. But, you know, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think, you know, it, w- it was obviously going to be a deal that was going to be friendly to the Saints. Mm-hmm. And it was like, look, if you want to better yourself, if you want to better your game, if you want to become a better quarterback, here's what we're going to pay you. And you basically get an internship to come in and learn under some of the best offensive minds the NFL has to offer and one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Right. And that's, you know, that's a deal that not many guys get a chance to, to even sign up for. Right. And so, you know, Jameis, you know, he's, he's got money. He's not hurting. <laughs> he's, he's played five <laughs> years in the NFL. Yeah. And I think, you know, he could take a flyer on a year where, you know, maybe he gets something of a minimum contract, mm-hmm. but he's coming in and he's learning things that are going to help him prolong his career. And whether or not that's here or not, we're going to find that out. Yeah. But, you know, I think, you know, the deal they gave Taysom is not a break the bank kind of a deal either. True. So they could, you know, when, when this season is up, Drew Brees, you know, if he had if he heads off into retirement and they want to keep Jameis, they'll work out a new deal with Jameis. And they can keep Taysom here doing the same things he's always done with Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. They can keep running that exact same system. And you know, Jameis's game is gonna look a little bit different from Drew's, but I think under the coaching of Sean Payton, under the coaching of Pete Carmichael, under the coaching of Joe Lombardi, if they manage to keep the entire staff intact, which is always mm-hmm. also a little bit of an if. But under those guys and after what he's learned this season from Drew Brees, you know, and, and I can't speak to exactly what he's learning, but I'm sure a lot of it is how to work, how to yeah. how to how to how to put the effort in, how to how to break down film, how to you know how to train. There's a lot of things that you can that you can learn from a guy like Drew Brees, who's had to give 110% at every turn to make it in this league. True. You know, there's a lot you can learn from a guy like that. And I think all of that is going to help Jameis, whether he's the Saints quarterback of the future, or whether he moves on to somebody else. Yeah. And obviously he saw the value in that because he's here. Yeah. And, you know, I can't, I can't fault the Saints at all for making that deal because you, you know, you went and got yourself some insurance in case, mm-hmm. in case you have some type of catastrophe at the quarterback position. Right. And you didn't break the bank for it. You're paying the guy very little. And in, in Jameis's case, he's getting a master class you know, for, you know, for, uh, and getting paid for it. Yeah. You know, he's like, it's a minimum salary. He's still getting paid. He's not paying to be here. True. You know, he's, he's getting free college basically at the quarterback <laughs> position. He's, he's got himself a scholarship at the quarterback position. And, uh, and, and look, we're, the, 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 the book on Jameis Winston is not finished being written. Yeah. He's, we're, we're going to see where he goes from here. And is Sean Payton stashing him was the ultimate question in this. Mm-hmm. The answer is, there's a chance, you yeah. know, because if if anybody is, is has has really done well at that at that type of a maneuver, it's Sean Payton. Yeah, I mean that's true. I, I, look look at that, Jameis. I like said he has all the tools to be successful, and you know even if he ends up you know being the successor to Drew Brees and he throws like fourteen or fifteen interceptions in a season, I don't think that's too bad because. I think sometimes like over the last couple of years, 
uh, Drew Brees has been in single-digit interceptions. I remember when Drew Brees would throw like 11 or 12 interceptions in a season. I remember that, you know, before, you know, he started to get like really deep into his prime and you see an interception start to go down. He started to get like seven and eight interceptions per season. So I don't have an issue with that at all. And I, I really well, just feel well, like – don't worry because people were mad back then too. Yeah. <laughs> Some things never change. Exactly. Yeah, but I, I'm I'm rooting for Jameis Winston. I'm always rooting for guys who, you know, to try to resurrect their career. And I, I really feel like he can be one of those guys. But, Mark, uh, finally, um, I want to ask you about the the, the playoffs uh, scenario. So we talked about that also, uh, about the Saints having an opportunity uh, to clinch the playoff berth with the win over the Atlanta Falcons. But the Saints have an opportunity to also uh, win the NFC South, and it involves a team that uh, we don't like to mention here, uh, you know, who that dates you very often, and that's the Minnesota Vikings. So can you tell us a little bit about that? All right, so right, hang with me here. This gets a little bit complicated. Okay. <laughs> but here's why the Saints can clinch a playoff spot this weekend. Uh, first of all, you look at the NFC South, and mm-hmm. they're, they're essentially two wins away from winning the NFC South because Tampa's sitting there with five losses. Right. The best they can do is 11-5. and five. Right. The Saints have nine wins. So if they get to 11 wins – then the worst that they could do after that would be to finish 11 and five. And they've already beaten Tampa twice. So they've got that tiebreaker in their pocket. Right. So two wins by the saints or two losses by the bucks or a combination of one and one gets the saints their fourth straight NFC South championship. Mm. But that's still a couple of weeks away because bucks are on a bye week this week. So they can't get two of those things this week. They can't get, they can't obviously they can't go out and get two wins on Sunday so they would have to have the Bucks lose at some point, and the Bucks ain't losing this week while they're sitting at home. Exactly. So, so they're not going to clinch the, the, the championship in the division this weekend, but they can clinch a playoff spot because, again, they're at nine wins. Mm-hmm. If they if they get the win over Atlanta, that gives them ten. Right. And if you take a look at at the playoff standings, you know you've got your you you got three wild cards this year, mm-hmm. so you've got seven playoff spots. Right, and there's a clear delineation right there. Mm-hmm. The last playoff team right now is Arizona at six and five. Right, the teams below that 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 would still have a chance to catch the Saints are all sitting at five and six. You got the Vikings, you got the Bears, you got the Forty ers The Saints have beaten the Forty ers Saints have beaten the Bears, mm-hmm. so they got head-to-head tiebreakers over those two. But they haven't played the Vikings yet. Right. So the Vikings are really the only team that will be able to come up and knock the Saints out of a playoff spot if the Saints were to lose all the rest of their games at, at, mm. at this point, or, or even after beating Atlanta. Mm. But here's the funny thing, because Minnesota plays Tampa Bay, I think in week 14. Mm-hmm. So in that game, you're going to get one of two outcomes. Either they're going to beat Tampa Bay, right. and if you've beaten Atlanta, that loss from Tampa Bay is the other part of the, of the equation that gives you a division championship. Boom, you're in the playoffs. Right. If Tampa Bay wins that game and beats Minnesota – well, now they're sitting with seven losses. They can't get to 10 wins. So they right. can't knock you out of the playoffs. Yeah. So the fact that that game is sitting on the schedule is, is what allows the Saints to clinch a playoff spot this weekend. And all they got to do is go into Atlanta and beat the Falcons, which is something that they enjoy and do, enjoy doing anyway. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and, and, and I'll, I'll leave you with this about the Falcons game. You know, uh, my coworker, Bobby Bear has a stat he loves to bring up, which is that, when the Saints sack Matt Ryan three or more times, undefeated, and it's like eight or nine and zero, and and to me, 
first of all, that tells me there's been nine games where they've sacked Matt Ryan three or more times. (laughs) You got to figure Matt Ryan does not like when he sees the Saints on the schedule. But, you know, that's that seems to be the formula for winning. So if if that defensive line gets off again this week, uh, then they shouldn't have too much of an issue. Now, that offense is is explosive. And I'm not Mm -hmm. taking anything away from the Falcons because they have been playing a lot better lately than they played at the beginning of the season. Yeah. But. If you just take a look at the at the rosters, to me, the Saints are just the better team. True. And I think that they proved it all year long. You know, and yeah. I think that you know the way the defense is playing, if they shut down the Falcons on offense again, I think you can call it a wrap because yeah. the Saints are going to put up enough points on, on the Falcons defense to 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 get the victory. Mm-hmm. And so that that to me, once again, we're back to you know the same place we were last year when Teddy Bridgewater filled in. It's on right. the defense. And and the defense can 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 rise up and lead this team and just like they did last year and that's what they have been doing, and so it's to me I, I'm a defensive football guy mm-hmm. I love defense yeah. and so and and I don't want to watch a six to three game if it just means sloppy offenses right. but if it's two hard hitting defenses and you're seeing some serious some serious wood being laid and you're seeing you know two teams really getting after it to mm-hmm. me that's entertaining yeah so. So the you know I I I don't mind us winning with defense one bit. However, however you got to get the victory, you go get it, and and, exactly. and and it's gonna be on the Saints defense again this week to lead the way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they definitely gonna have to uh, put on a uh, star-studded performance. You know, I, I hate to I hate to say it like this. No disrespect to the Broncos, but I, I do feel like it was like a second bye week for the Saints. I mean, <laughs> you know, you know, a team not gonna. Uh, be uh, throwing the football all over the place. I mean, some guys probably didn't even get touched in that game. It wouldn't surprise me. But uh, like it's, you said, it, uh, it, it's a it's a shame they got put in that position. Mm-hmm. But I also understand why the NFL allowed the game to go on because it's about personal responsibility. Yeah, and, and they're trying to tell these teams it's it's on you to make sure you stay safe. And and I thought Vic Fangio had it exactly right when he came out and said, you know, our quarterbacks let us down, right? Because they did. All right. they had to do was wear a mask in the meeting, and they wouldn't have been put in that position, and they didn't. And so, yeah. you know, that, that that it's just an area where, you know, I, I think I, I've seen a lot of people say, "Oh, the NFL wouldn't do that to a team that was winning." It's like I think they would because Roger Goodell is is pretty big on personal responsibility. We've seen that in every suspension he's ever handed out. Yeah. Uh, you know, he wants he wants guys to be to be accountable, yeah. and and that's how you hold guys accountable is you show them that you're not playing around. Yeah, I mean, I had this. I had the same feeling, you know. I even, uh, I even tweeted that, you know. I said I felt like if it was a certain team, or you know, if they had like a certain player, I think they would have gave them a little bit of leeway. But um, I mean, that was that was before I actually knew exactly what was going on. You know, I mean, I, I had a really hot take uh, right after the game about it, but that was before I knew, you know, all the things that you know came into fruition. How, how things were apparent uh, that it was based on them not, you know, showing any type of responsibility and not social distancing and not wearing a mask. So, I mean, as a fan, you know, I feel bad for the fans, but as an organization, I mean, you have to, you know, take that L, you know, and, and the Saints, uh, they, they got that victory, and that's very, very important. A win is a win, regardless of how you want to look at it or not. I mean, the Saints right now have the best record in the NFC, and they're moving forward. Uh, they but, don't go- they don't go back after the season and say, "Well, they did beat a team without a quarterback." No, they yeah. look at the victories and and the victories in the win column. And yeah. look, let me let me just say real quick, 
hats off to Kendall Hinton, man, because that yeah. that kid came in in a really tough situation, and you know I think he did as best as could be expected mm -hmm. of a, of a guy of a guy that you know gets a call on Friday. And, and and is told, hey, you're going to play quarterback for the first time in in four or five <laughs> years, and and it's going to be against the New Orleans Saints defense, who's the number one defense in the NFL right now. So, uh, Kendall Hinton, you know, great job, man. You know, filling in and 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 doing what you had to do, and right. and this does not reflect poorly on him at all. No, he 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 was a trooper out there. Yeah, I mean, uh, can you can you just imagine what he was going through his mind? I mean. And like you said at the beginning of the podcast, I mean, Cam Jordan was in his face every single time. I see like one play where I think Marcus Davenport got a, a pressure on him. And it was almost like he lifted this guy up like as if he was a little <laughs> child. Like he got him right underneath the shoulder pass and launched him back. It was almost like, you know, how they have those movies where they probably have that geeky guy who probably get in a game for some reason and, you just see him flying all over the field because the big guys just—that's <laughs> that's what it reminded me of. I mean, he, it was, it was he all, looks like he looked like he's built like a receiver. Exactly, like he, he looked like a receiver playing quarterback. You know, he, he definitely wasn't Ben Roethlisberger or Cam Newton out there. <laughs> and I mean, there there was certainly one play where he, you know he launched the ball, and it was, I think it was the interception to to Gardner Johnson. Right. He just got waylaid yeah, as soon yeah. as he let go of the ball. Yeah. And I mean, he look he. He he took his licks in that game, and you know mm -hmm. Cam Jordan came out on Twitter after, and Demario Davis came out on Twitter after, and gave the right. kid his props, and right. and and it's a situation that I don't think any of us would ever want to be be put in to be thrust in, in, into that, but he you know he made the most of it. Yeah, it was it was the first, and uh, I'm pretty sure it's going to be the last, Mark. I'm pretty sure teams are going to uh, unless something else <laughs> happens this season, it's going <laughs> to be the last time. And I think I think enough teams saw that where they they yeah. learned their lesson. It's like look exactly. Man, to make sure that, that we have our ducks in a row. And and I, before the season, I saw I, I want to say it's the New York Jets, but somebody is paying Josh McCown a twelve thousand dollar paycheck per week to right. sit at home in Texas and just <laughs> quarantine himself. Yeah. Because if they need an emergency quarterback, they're gonna call him and he's gonna fly out. And I'm pretty sure it's the New York Jets that are paying him. But yeah. it's like I don't know why every team's not doing that. Yeah. I know the Saints have Trevor Simeon stashed away just right. in case. So uh, I, I think teams are going to you – know, I don't know if there's enough quarterbacks for all – for everybody to do it, but everybody that can do it is, is going to be you know probably looking into that this week. Yeah, definitely going to have some bubble wrap quarterbacks uh, going around. But, I mean, I was going to make a joke about the Jets, but as a, at this point it's just low-hanging fruit. Uh, <laughs> Mark, uh, thank you so they, much. They might not win a game this year. <laughs> it would not surprise me at all. I mean, whew, that's some terrible football. I mean, I feel bad for the – State of New York before, as a whole. Before we get before we get out of here, uh -huh. if you didn't see this coming when Adam Gase got introduced to that press conference and was looking all around with his with his eyes popped up, he was on LSD. If you didn't see this coming in that moment, for you know when he spent thirty minutes basically <laughs> look, looking like he was high and, and <laughs> balls. If you didn't see this coming, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but uh, this this went about as well as I expected it to go for the Jets, and I can't imagine Adam Gase is going to be still still the coach of the team next year. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised he he's been here that long. I mean, him and Matt Patricia, I, I'm just shocked how they just kept their job. I mean, they they finally got rid of Matt Patricia, but I'm just shocked that it took them that long. But uh, but Mark well, and 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 Bill O'Brien was was obviously the first casualty of the season. And that was well-deserved when you watch what DeAndre Hopkins is doing in Arizona and you see what he let that guy go for. 
My goodness. I, I, I don't, I, I, I really don't understand. I, that was another, uh, uh, that was another guy. I mean, you look at like them in the playoffs and just look at how they just constantly like lost and, and how he just, this bad decision making all in all. And then I was like, I was, when they were in the playoffs, when they're in a wild card game against Buffalo, I was, I was saying that they need to get rid of him then. I think the fan base, like the Houston Texan fan base, were even calling for this guy job. Not I don't only, know, I don't I, know what about his coaching career ever decide ever ever made them decide we need to make this guy the GM. Also, I don't understand any of that. Thank you. But, but what I was what what I said earlier about Drew Brees, same thing goes for Sean Payton. Saints fans appreciate Sean Payton while you got him because he puts you he automatically puts you in a position where you're you know in, in the top half of the league. And and the same goes for Mickey Loomis and, and the entire front office staff that they have. You know, they've put, they've set this team up for success more often than not during Sean Payton's tenure. And, you know, if, if Sean manages to get that second Super Bowl, I think he's a Hall of Fame coach. Yeah. So appreciate Sean Payton while he's here because you can look around the league and every year there's six to eight guys that, that are looking for jobs because they, they didn't they didn't make it happen where they were at. Right. And and the Saints have not been in that position since 2006. Yeah, 14 years. If you know, it'll be 15 years now this this season that since, since we've had to go hire another coach. Yeah, and so that's an amazing run, and and that's a really nice position to be in. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, you see this coaching carousel happens every year. Uh, the Saints have had stability uh, in his organization for 15 years. Uh, you know, shouts out to Mickey Loomis and, and Sean Payton. Uh, you know, I'm a little nervous that we're going to lose the secret weapon in that front office, which is Jeff Ireland, in my opinion. I'm afraid that we might end up losing him uh, for him to end up being somebody GM. Uh, that's that's the only that's the only issue I have, uh, you know, as far as with the, the personnel and the, and the front office. But they do an outstanding job finding guys that are good system guys. I mean, we see this over and over again. Guys end up getting hurt. You see guys come in and, 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 and the offense and the defense doesn't miss a beat. Uh, but, Mark, thank you so much for being a part of the State of the Saints podcast. And uh, before you go, just let everybody know how they can get in touch with you, uh, you know, on social media and also on WWL. I'm on Twitter, at Mark Menard 13. That's M-A-R-K-M-E-N-A-R-D-1-3, at Mark Menard 13. And I'm on, you know, every afternoon I'm, I'm part of the sports talk show on WWL Radio. And right now it's also, you know, I've, I've got the honor and the privilege of filling in on the on the post game show after Saints games. So if you're listening online at radio.com or if you're listening on the air to the Saints game at at, at, at 8:70 a.m. or 105.3 FM or any of the Saints affiliates down the line, you can hear me after the game on the Toyota Locker Room show, or and you can hear me after the game with Bobby A. Bear on the point after. So uh, I'll be doing that another couple of a couple of weeks, I think. And and uh, and and it's been a great been great fun doing it so far. And uh, having a great time. And, and like I said, sports talk every afternoon on WWL from you know, starting at four. And then we kind of end at a different time every night, depending <laughs> on if there's a football game or a, or a coach's show or something. But, you know, as long as you tune in at four o'clock, you'll, you'll find us and, and we'll, we'll take you until they tell us to get off the air. <laughs> I mean, well, we, we definitely enjoy you, uh, you know, on WWL, uh, you know, Bobby, Bear, we always enjoy his take. And uh, so many of the others, you know, Zach Street, Deuce McAllister. I mean, you got you guys do an outstanding job there. And we're looking forward to hearing from you in the future, Mark. Thank you so much. We, we appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This has been a, this has been a great time. Appreciate uh, it. Absolutely. Uh, take care. You too.